Hey, yo, welcome everyone to Today in the Scene by Indie Arcade Wave. I'm Joey, your host. Here on In the Scene, we dive into what's happening in the arcade space from new indie arcade developers, arcade owners and operators, and just news in the space in general. A few things before we dive in, we do have the new t-shirts. I'm going to throw those up on the screen for Galactic Battleground and Indie Arcade Wave, as well as the four-player tabletop for Galactic Battleground and the four-player Konami. Those will be on the screen too for you to check out. The link will be down in the description. You can buy those at galacticbattleground.com. But Let's dive into this week's episode because I'm really excited about this one. Today, we're going to be interviewing the owner of the world's largest arcade, Galloping Ghosts. Now, I got to go check out the arcade. I have proof. I got the t-shirt. I've been there this time. Finally, um, we've got to, uh, Doc to talk to us in person today. So I want to know from Doc, like what it's like owning his arcade. He's got a pinball arcade. He was featured in a documentary. He's got a development studio. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Doc. So let's talk to Doc more about this. How are you new today? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to come back on the second time you've been on the show. It was really nice to meet you in person, see the arcade, see your studio, all that stuff. So let's just have you give a quick recap. Who is Doc? Tell us about yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm Doc Mack. I'm the owner of the Galloping Ghost and all of its uh, businesses associated with it. Uh, we've got it all started back in 1994 when we opened up Galloping Ghost Productions, which is our video game company where we do, uh, we work currently we're working on Dark Presence and we've released um, another game called Spectre Files Deathstalker in the arcades. Uh, then we've also got uh, the Galloping Ghost Arcade, which opened up in 2010. It's the largest arcade in the world with uh, currently 946 games. Um, then we've got our printing company, Galloping Ghost Reproductions, uh, Galloping Ghost Pinball, where we have 45 pinball machines, um, the Galloping Ghost Garage, which is a mechanic shop, the Galloping Ghost Gamma, which is a gym and martial arts school that we originally opened up with the uh, Mortal Kombat actors. Um, then we've got Galloping Ghost Kaiju Kobo, which is our... Um, we basically make Godzilla models uh, that we sell out in Japan. And um, I think that's everything, if I'm not mistaken. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, considering it's all in a pretty tight space, I mean, what is it? It's like three blocks, basically. It's a, um, a six-block radius, and uh, we're, we're hoping, to, uh, hoping to add a few more over the next few years, so. And just looking back at the history of what you've been doing, I'm sure you will be adding more to that. <laughs> um, let's get the quick story of Galloping Ghosts. How did everything start? I mean, you you obviously love arcade games and you've loved video games for a very long time and you got to start this arcade. So tell everybody how that happened. Um, the arcade really just kind of happened on a whim. Uh, we were working on Dark Presence and uh we had just rebooted the game we started it in 1994 rebooted it in 2004 reshot everything we spent uh four years in our filming studio and uh came out we were doing post-production and we wanted to do put the game out in arcades and um we started going to every arcade that we could find and just seeing kind of the state of everything it was like man probably should open an arcade and uh see what we can do to help kind of revitalize the industry and it it really hit um 
we opened up with 130 machines and uh it was it just instantaneous like people were coming out and traveling in and uh now 13 years later we've grown to be the largest arcade in the world and uh 946 games which that number goes up every week but it was really just kind of like yeah let's see what this does and it would in all honesty hear all the struggles of how difficult it can be to open a business and this wasn't this just everything worked out really well so yeah i love to hear that it worked out you have an incredible arcade it was so cool to visit and play uh, i know my wife and i were on ribbit for a little while didn't oh, know you. anything about that game and then apparently it was the sequel to frogger um never really came out um which was a really cool story to hear from you um i want to talk a little bit more about indie games um obviously like you mentioned dark presence you've been working on it for a while uh here and there reboots stuff like that so i've had a few people ask they want to hear more about the development process so give us an idea of like what it was to what it was like to develop back in the 90s what it's like now and like what advice would you give to somebody who wants to create their own game well back then it was definitely a much different when we started there was basically the internet was just starting so uh there was nothing really and no place to learn anything um the software was so archaic in comparison today um programming we had to basically design our own engine so we had a, a this genius programmer that we were working with who had done a similar project and uh he wrote all of our development tools and everything um even back then when in the 90s we shot as a live uh digitized fighting game so it, it was uh then we were blue screening everything so there's a lot of extra steps in uh, how we had to make the game. Um, being a huge fan of Mortal Kombat, it really made sense to film the characters. And uh, I had studied martial arts my whole life, so it, it seemed easier than trying to draw sprites. Um, I love doing graphic work and drawing and stuff, but it's not my forte. So it was easier to... Uh, basically make costumes, find actors, and do the whole thing and digitize just because it was what we could accomplish it. It, it was a, a much easier approach for us. Um, but now everything has changed. Like you've software has become such so much more expansive and easier to use. Um, there's so many tutorials out there. Uh, the engines are the, the point of entry is much lower. Like you can, We've had people learn Unity within a few weeks and be able to start showing results on uh, producing a game. So it's it's definitely easier than ever. Um, although getting it, a game out there and marketed and in front of people is it's difficult. That that is still and will always be a challenge. Yeah, the marketing and sales part is still very difficult. You can build a great game, and I mean you can see it even like. With the big studios, you know, they have these massive games that take years and hundreds of people to make and they're incredible games. Sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they fall short, but it, it all comes down to how it's marketed and how many people you can get in front of it. Because if you get a bad impression right at the, right at the beginning, like it can destroy the game. And that's that's the truth of it. Um, I think that's really cool. That you guys are still working on it and I love it. I'm, I'm curious about your your thoughts on the current indie space. I mean, we've got a bunch of indie games out now. We've got like 
uh, Galactic Battleground, which we worked on, Death Ball, Switch and Shoot, Cosmotrons, Nidhogg, uh, Armed and Gelatinous. All these games are coming out, and a lot of people are, are really enjoying them in the arcade bar space, which I think is where they fit perfectly. So what are your thoughts on the indie game space, and what do you see for the future of it? Um, it there's, again, all of them that you mentioned, great games. Like, they're... Uh, the hard side on it is like price pointing for arcades is, is problematic. Um, it, it's the marketing side. Again, it's just getting it out there. Like you can make great games and getting it in front of people can be the challenge. Um, like we've always supported the, the indie scene. We saw sky cursor when that came out and, um, it's interesting how much games like other indie companies can affect each other. And Sky Cursor was one that it, it, it had a very interesting story. Uh, we were very strong supporters of the game out of the box and their direction kind of changed. And at the tail end of it, it, it definitely had a few of the people that picked up the cabinet. They were concerned about it. And I know that, Initially, um, it, it changed kind of the perception of some arcades, at least the ones that we were talking to, about would they buy another indie game. And um, it, it's a challenge. It's it's always hard to, especially when you have uh, the companies that are still doing arcade games. Uh, you've got like Raw Thrills and Play Mechanics, and, and those are just juggernaut companies that they're – they're gonna, their games are going to be gold every time they put them out, but uh, it's it's always a challenge for the indie scene. Um, even if even with great games behind them, it can be a challenge. Yeah, I think it's even it's it's a challenge right now, even with pinball too, because pinball can take up a lot of that extra money that an arcade has to spend on games, and pinball earns. Like we we can't even deny this. Like those people know they're going to buy a pinball. And it's going to make money. It's going to happen because Stern, Jersey Jacks, Spooky, all these guys are making good games. And it's it's just it's hard to compete with that. Um, I think the space is is awesome and a ton of people are, are moving into it. I feel like I hear about more games that are being developed in the indie space. And I think all these games deserve a chance. But you're right. Price point is very, very important. Um, so let's talk about this expansion. Um, kind of an expansion, kind of not. I mean... You already had the businesses in place. You purchased uh, all of the buildings for, I believe it was about $3 million. And that's going to give you more room to expand your arcade. You're pushing up on 950. We all know you're going to hit like 1300 pretty soon here, right? Um, so let's let's talk about these other properties, what you're doing there, and why why are you into all these different projects? I think it's really cool, but like, what what's going on with all the projects? Um, so all, all the businesses that I had listed earlier, those are all, uh, just functioning, uh, extensions. Um, everything really works together, uh, in, it's kind of gotten difficult to even imagine running the arcade without the production company, without the garage. Like it's surprising how often we have to take stuff down to the garage to be welded or sandblasted or, um, motor belts ordered so there's so many benefits to having that leg of galloping ghost uh same thing with the printing company we 
have them produce artwork for cabinets uh, several times throughout the week. So each one is its own standing business, and uh, but it it supports the production and the arcade and pinball. So like everything really pushes e each other forward. Um, in so much of it is just to have everything done in house. So we're not we're not waiting on things coming in and uh, we can make sure the quality is where we want it. Um, and for me, it's, it's just all stuff uh, I'm into and love doing. And um, it, it just is uh, kind of, it, it's just fun. It's every, every business that we have, it's just an awesome, an awesome thing to be a part of. Yeah. I like that. I, I don't, I think I may have seen that you have a martial arts studio, but I totally forgot about that. I think that's really freaking cool that you've got that. Um, and there's so many facets to the business. The the kaiju thing was super cool when I came to see the office. Like, obviously, I see all the guitars in the back and like the one Godzilla, the tails here and there. But to see that big shelf of all the stuff and the prototype you showed me was really cool. Um, I want to dive back into the arcade stuff. So you have been... Uh, I remember the first time we spoke, you had a, a business plan for an arcade and then you had a friend or a business partner or something that came to you and was like, hey, can I use your, your idea? He ran the arcade for, what was it, about a year and then was like, here, can you take this over? And ever since then, you've been helping tons of arcades open. You've been giving them resources, ideas, how to do these things. For people that are interested in starting an arcade, one, where can they get this information? Do they, do they need to come to you? Is the information online? And then what are three major pieces of advice that you would give to aspiring arcade owners? Well, and we learned so much. Um, we had written the business model and then uh, one of our actors had uh, decided he wanted to open an arcade. As soon as he started, he, he had no idea of where to begin. And um, we teamed up and opened up the arcade and it, it again it, as you said it, it wasn't for him i i had to buy him out after about a, a year and a half two years um i think a lot of people have misconceptions of when they go to try to open an arcade uh there's so much so many people and especially now the industry is kind of it becomes a little confusing in the fact that people think that they know about like arcade games and they it's they call it the Dunning Kruger effect where they don't know enough to know to know that they don't know anything and uh, they've got this misconception um, a lot of people under prepare they don't realize how much time it's going to take they don't understand how much money it's going to take so much of it really comes from their level of passion. Like if they love fixing stuff, if they love talking to people, if they love arcade gaming, like, and really want to know everything about it, um, you can open, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to get like 20 games and open up a small place. Not really understanding how, like what that's going to do. Like if you have 20 machines and you have to bring people in. How many times is it going to take for them to come in, play all the games that you have, and then kind of be done with it? Uh, and if you're not big enough to draw people in from out of state, out of town, are you going to have really enough people coming in to support the arcade as a business? 
So I think people fall short of the the business side of things. Um, but it, I guess that would be the, um, the the three things to really think about is make sure that your passion is a it, it's got to be just top drawer. You've got to really love this stuff and be willing to put in so much time, money and effort. Um, you've got to have a very, the second one I would say is you've got to have a very good business understanding of what is needed for the arcade. And the third one I would say is you've got to be able to want to fix everything yourself because anytime you've got machines down, that's, that's going to be detrimental. Yeah, that's, that's a hefty price tag on getting stuff fixed. Um, you know, there aren't, a ton of arcade technicians everywhere and sometimes you got to take the game somewhere especially if you want them to come to your arcade there's gonna be an extra charge for that so being savvy with being able to fix your own machines being able to diagnose problems order parts put that stuff in is is very important um and that's that's where i strive with the indie stuff is i can build computers i understand computers the old stuff i i would i would need a lot of time to get to understand that um i'm sure it's it's not like insanely complicated but every game is going to have its little tiny nuances that's going to be different and that's just you know that's experience it just takes time to learn how to do these things um i wanted to talk about token tavern which is a, a new documentary focusing on arcades arcade bars uh primarily down in south florida um but obviously being the owner of the largest arcade in the world you were featured on the on the on the movie so Let's talk about what it was like to film that movie. I know you said you've been busy and you haven't seen the entire film yet, um, but what was that like being interviewed for for a movie? In my opinion, a pretty big arcade movie because there hasn't been a lot really documenting where the arcade space is at right now. That's true. Um, I, it's been a while since we filmed. Um, I remember it was, they had some great questions. Uh, definitely anxious to see it. Uh, was just hearing from uh, the guy that is shooting the documentary about the Dark Presence game. Uh, he just watched it and enjoyed it, and uh, I, I definitely have to check it out. It was great to see uh, so many people involved with it, and the, the fact that it's out there now is, is really cool. I, I really can't wait to watch it. Let's talk about the the arcade space in general. So obviously it's growing, it's expanding, you're helping people open up. What do you see with the arcade space? What, what do you think the arcade space needs to continue to grow? And um, what, what do you like about the trajectory that it's on right now? Uh, the growth is awesome. I, I, we do everything we possibly can to help Every arcade, anybody that wants to open an arcade, we, we want to see them open. We have people messaging me on Facebook and emailing me and um, doing calls. And, and it takes a lot of time for each person because uh, we have to know where everybody's starting at when we're helping a place open. Um, there is, with the growth, though, it's in all honesty, there's right now is such a, it's a time of evolution. I I've been watching the scene change so much and in all honesty, it's hitting a place that's almost dangerous to what a like for me uh, and the things that I appreciate about the arcades, it's changing. 
And there's so many new people coming in with such a blurred vision of, of what's going on. Um, like there's so many emulators out there now. There's so many um, multi boards coming out and like that stuff is fine, but for an actual venue to run it, it definitely loses some of the luster to it. Uh, if you're, you're getting a multi-board or an emulator and running that in an actual arcade, it dilutes when you find one of these rare games and actually get it on the floor and out there for people to enjoy. Because like the average person doesn't have the understanding and know the difference. Um, but on the collector side, it's it's greatly impacting it in, in all honesty in a negative way. Uh, as it, it's almost growing too quick for the amount of people that are coming in to pick up the knowledge that they need to kind of push it forward. And to me, I, I see things kind of evolving into this odd, diluted um, new generation of things, which it's it perpetuates it and keeps it moving forward, but not as clean as uh, like, I'm a, I'm an arcade purist. Like I like everything original and uh, we go to great lengths to find all that, but the information isn't being passed out enough. And the people that are selling the emulators, and the Maltese are kind of saying it's all the same stuff when to somebody like me, it's not. So it's, it's all good for the arcades, but it, it can be, I see it being problematic in the future. I think that's perfectly understandable. I agree. I, I don't, I don't personally think that like mames or emulators have any place in an arcade. I think that's awesome for your basement. That's great for, for the cave, for hanging out with your friends. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if you're someone that, that loves arcade games, but doesn't have a ton of space and wants to just casually have like a cabinet in the basement, having a cabinet that has a hundred games on it is awesome. That's great. I, I love that for you, but to put that into an arcade space is it's a little bit disingenuous kind of in my eyes, because I'm going there. I want to play a huge cabinet that I can't have in my apartment. You know, like I want to see something rare. I want to see something weird. Uh, Primal Rage 2 was freaking sweet to see. Um, just seeing these like very obscure games like you and Rick down in Miami have like just ridiculous collections and some of the craziest games. I saw a lot of similarities in the arcades, which was cool to see that you guys are like collecting some of the same really rare games. But you're right. I, I like the original stuff when I go to an arcade. That's what I want to see. Um, last question for you. I just want to get a little bit of your background. Obviously, I can see all the PlayStation games down there by the TV. <laughs> Let's go back into your video game history. Like, where did it start? What are some of the most memorable games from your past? And what do you want to see from video games in the future? Oh, and I, I spent so much time. I, I, I Like many, I started with Pong. Um, the first arcade game I ever played was Asteroids, which was so impactful. Just seeing the way that monitor, the glow on that screen was, was amazing. Um, on the Atari 2600, played a ton of Asteroids and Yard's Revenge and um, by the time I got to the 8-bit Nintendo, it was a huge Castlevania guy. Uh, that originally was like the only game that I thought I would ever need would be Castlevania. 
then moved up through the Sega Genesis, which I, I collected. Um, I had every commercially, commercially released game on the Genesis, Sega CD, and 32X um, as they came out. Uh, so I had over over 700 games before I sold sold off that collection. Um, so yeah, it's I've been gaming forever. So I love it. It's it's awesome to hear all the collections, and obviously, I mean, just from that story right there, it just shows you've been a collector for life, and you're going to be a collector for life. Yeah. Um, that's that's all I had for you, Doc. I really appreciate you coming on. Just shout out your social medias so that people can follow you and check in on what you're doing. Awesome, man. Uh, we're on basically everything, Facebook and Instagram, um, Twitter, and uh, Twitch, where we do our live Monday mystery game show at 5 p.m. on uh, Monday at uh, 5 p.m. Central. Uh, put a new arcade game on the floor. Just search anything for the Galloping Ghost Arcade or Ghost Lord, and uh, yeah, it's, we've got uh, different different accounts for all the different businesses. So there's one for each. So follow whatever you like. Awesome. Thanks for coming on doc. Really appreciate it for anybody that's still watching. Don't forget to like share and subscribe. It helps us a ton. Check out the t-shirts on the website as well as the new galactic battleground cabinets. And until next time, peace. Thank you, man.